let's now turn our attention to uh, the Word of God. Uh, let's have the Lord open us up to Luke chapter 15, and we'll read verses 1 to 10. Luke 15, verses 1 to 10. This is the Word of the Lord. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on its shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek it diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given to us your son, Jesus, the word who became flesh. And Jesus, we thank you that you speak to your people over all the years that even this day we may hear your word and come to you, that all the lost will be found. Holy Spirit, we ask that today, as we sit under your word, that you would minister to us, that you would counsel us, that you would seek us out and bring us to Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was the 13th day of the 11th month, the fourth year of the second millennium. I'm just kidding. I, I, you guys know I love starting an illustration with a date, so I get really excited. It was November 13th, and the year was 2004. U.S. Marine forces were engaged in the Second Battle of Fallujah as part of what they called Operation Phantom Fury. Wow, what a mission name, right? This was known as the highest point of conflict during the Iraq War. First Sergeant Brad Castle and Lance Corporal Alex Nicole were part of a Marine unit conducting a house-to-house -house search for insurgents. They entered a home where fellow Marines were injured, and during the conflict were told that First Sergeant Brad Castle actually shielded his friend, Lance Corporal Nicole, from a grenade blast. Now, being stuck in the house under fire, they too needed to be rescued. Soon after, help had arrived, and Sergeant Castle was carried out by fellow Marine men. If you look up, this is a picture there. This photograph was taken by the acclaimed combat photographer Lucian Reed, and he captures the moment here where Sergeant Castle is being carried out by his fellow Marine men. He's still holding his pistol and knife in his hand. In March 2013, 
the Hope for the Warriors Foundation unveiled a monument based on this very picture and story. You can find it at Camp Lejeune in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And you can see it here. And they're calling it No Man Left Behind. And this monument is supposed to remind fellow Marine men that as they train here in camp, as they go to battle, that their fellow brothers at arms will leave no man behind. That no matter what the circumstances may be, whether you're stuck in a home in enemy territory, that they will come for you. As we consider our text today, we see how Jesus leaves no man behind and how the Lord always goes to find the lost. And that's the main point of today's message, that Jesus always finds the lost. During the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, we see him doing a lot of things, but I think we can kind of categorize it simply as he goes around, he preaches, he teaches, he makes disciples, and he heals the broken. And during his earthly ministry, he's doing all these things, but he has one goal in mind. The reason he's doing all these things is so that he can make his way to secure salvation for all, to put it simply, so that he can find every lost soul who would trust in him. If you look throughout the Gospels, Jesus' main message as he's speaking to the people is this. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And this is because, again, his main mission is to find lost and repentant sinners so that they would be found in him and his kingdom. Chapter 9 of Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus set his face on Jerusalem. And this is significant here, that Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. He has made it his goal. He has made that his point as he sets his face, he determines to get to Jerusalem. But what is there at Jerusalem? What is waiting for him there? It's the cross. It's the place where he would lay his life down. And so we see as he journeys to Jerusalem, as he tells these parables, as he talks about the lost sheep and the lost coin, what is on the major backdrop of all this is he is on his way to Jerusalem knowing full well that he would be crucified. Knowing full well that having been crucified, having given his life for the sins of the world, every lost sheep who has been entrusted in him can look upon him and be found, that all the lost would be found in him. So in chapter 15, our text opens up. It tells us that the tax collectors and sinners, the, the unwanted people, right, the sinners, I love that, the sinners were gathered. Do they look a certain way? Do they look different than others? The sinners were gathered, the tax collectors, the deviants. They started to draw near to Jesus, but also... We find their Pharisees, scribes, the religious men who are well put together, the educated, the high in society, the ones who control and are seen as the most religious and pious people. Two very different groups have gathered here 
and they come before Jesus. And we're told that the Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling. They're complaining. They're complaining at the fact that Jesus welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And so Jesus turns to them and he tells them these parables. And our focus today is simply on the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Now, I don't have to do a 10-minute biblical theological excursion on sheep and shepherds and coins and denarii and, and daily value, but, but Jesus just speaks directly to them because what he's using is a very assumed and common understanding of what is going on. And Jesus says this. He tells a parable. Good old Jesus, right? Spinning the tail once more. If any of you... If any of you were out in the field and you were tending your sheep and one ran away and became lost, wouldn't every single one of you go to find that one lost sheep? And the answer is yes. He's, he's, he's pulling and drawing upon a very common answer, a, a very common thing that people would do. Yes, of course they would. And he says, well, once you go out into the wilderness and once you find that sheep, whether it be stuck in a valley, whether it's injured, whether it's just, just lost and rebellious, having found that sheep, wouldn't you be so joyful, so joyful that you would put that sheep on your shoulder and carry it all the way home? The answer is yes. And having brought that lost sheep home, wouldn't you be so happy that you would tell everyone in town, come, come. I found my lost sheep, everyone. Celebrate with me. The sheep that was lost, the sheep that had run away, I found them. I carried him home, and he's back with me. Come. Come celebrate, everyone. He tells another one. He says, you know, it's like a woman who has lost something of, of value to her. What does the text say here? Having ten silver coins, she loses one coin. One coin basically signifying a whole day's worth of wage. He says, how many of you, if you lost something very valuable, wouldn't turn on every single light in your house, wouldn't light every candle, wouldn't turn over every mattress, cushion, to look under every sliver and every crack? How many of you wouldn't do that if you had lost a day's wage? And the answer is all of us. Everyone there who's listening right now, the Pharisees, and the sinners, they're hearing this, and the answer is so obvious. Everyone would do that. For us here, if I could put it perhaps in, in context that we may be able to relate to a little more, how many of us, if we were on a journey, we were out camping, we were out in the fields, if we were trying to get somewhere, and you lost your dog, your child, your brother, your sister, your friend, how many of you would go find them? I think all of us would. And then having found them, if they were injured and unable to come home, how many of you would be so willing to carry them home? I think any of us would. Having found them and bringing them home, how many of us would tell all of our loved ones that they are found? How many of us, if we have lost a check for a large sum of money, a diamond ring, car keys, your family heirloom, something of great value. How many of us would turn on every single light, check every pocket, check every bag, 
turn over all the seat cushions, check under all the couches, go into the car and check every nook and cranny, go into all the boxes and rip it back open. How many of us would do that if there was something of value that we were looking for? And the answer is all of us would do that. So what's the point that Jesus is trying to make? As the Pharisees and the scribes, as the the religiously upright people are sitting here grumbling because these sinners are gathering to see Jesus, Jesus is saying... I am like this shepherd. I am like this woman. If one of my sheep are lost, if I have lost something of value, this is what I will do. This is what I will do. And so he's speaking directly to the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people who are gathered, the the ones who on the outside seem so well put together. He tells them that the kingdom of God is not for the ones who are religious and all put together. The kingdom of God is not for those who are of perfect attendance at every church gathering. The kingdom of God is not for those who know all the theological answers. It's not for those who come and think they are okay and look at others and say, why are they here? The kingdom of God is not for the people who think they are righteous and okay in their own eyes. And as the people are gathered here, the tax collectors and the sinners who know that they're being scoffed at, Jesus speaks to them indirectly. The ones who recognize their sin and their need for a Savior. The ones who recognize that they are lost, that they keep messing up, but they can't stop, that they need to be found. He says the kingdom of God is for It is for those who confess that they are sinners. The kingdom of God is for the broken and the lost. It is for the promiscuous who are stuck in their ways. The kingdom of God is for the one who can't stop sinning yet desperately wants to so bad. The kingdom of God is for those with bad reputations like the tax collectors. It it, it is for the desperate who have done unsavory things to get what they need. It is for those having done all that, recognizing that I am so lost, so broken, so messed up, and I need a Savior. The kingdom of God is for these people. The point is that the ones who think that they are good in their own eyes will never repent. And sadly, they're the ones that are truly lost. But those who recognize that they are lost will repent and be found. Friends, let me ask you, are you sober enough this morning to confess that without Jesus you are lost? That you're only here right now because Jesus shepherded you here. That he carried you. Or perhaps... Are you sober enough to confess that although we are sitting here well-dressed, well-kept, having taken discipleship courses with good attendance, say that all of those things mean nothing to Jesus, that he simply wants me to confess that we need him? How does it speak to us today? Let me just state a very basic gospel truth. That none of us are here based on our own strength, our own knowledge, our own merit, 
None of us are here. None of us came to Jesus because we found our own way back. None of us are here because we read that article or that book where we thought to ourselves and came to a conclusion that, you know what, I do approve of this and believe in this doctrine. None of us are here because we in our own strength somehow climbed out of the valley and found Jesus ourselves. This remains true for those who are far and lost. They cannot come back on their own. Friends, it's not a matter of will. It's not a matter of desire. It's not a matter of priority. I mean, sometimes it is, right? But at the core of it, at the core of it, what Jesus wants us to understand is this. It's, it's not simply, oh, I just have to try harder. Oh, I just have to plan out a little better. Oh, I just, I got to keep remembering. But what Jesus said is when he goes to find this lost sheep, they're not on their way to him. Jesus says when he finds this lost sheep, they are in such a state, whatever it may be, he has to pick them up, put them on his shoulder, and carry him home. That means when Jesus found you, you were in such a helpless, miserable state, a humbled state, Yet he looked upon you with love and compassion, and he didn't simply say, get up. What are you doing? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Let's go. He said, my brother, my sister, I have found you, and I'm going to carry you home. That's the humble reality for all of us. For all of us who say that we believe in Jesus, for all of us who say we're Christians, for all of us who are gathered here, that we didn't climb out on our own. We aren't here because we simply prioritized worship today, or we have a stronger will or desire than other people. We're here because Jesus brought us here. The lost sheep cannot signal for a beacon. They cannot climb out of the valley. They cannot free their limbs that are stuck between a rock and a hard place. All they can do is cry out. A lost coin can't make themselves more shiny to try to reflect the light. A lost coin can't make themselves more pretty. A lost coin can't polish themselves to add more value. It's simply lost until it's found. Jesus is the one that goes into the wilderness. Jesus goes into the valley. Jesus gets on his knees and checks every nook and cranny. And not if, not if, but when he finds his lost sheep, When he finds the one that is of value to him, and he's speaking to all those who are willing to confess that I am lost and I need to be found. When he finds you, he is happy. He picks you up. He carries you home. And the angels in heaven rejoice. Because why? It's better to find one true lost repentant sinner come back to the Lord than a church full of people who are sitting there thinking, you know what, I'm okay because I'm here. I'm okay because I brought myself here. And I come to church every Sunday and I do this and that. I went to seminary and I I lead the prayer groups. Jesus is saying to all of us, us, not just just you but us, me too, who may be so self-righteous, he reminds us, that we only have a relationship with Jesus, with God, because he found us. Because we too were once lost, and in him we are found. You know, let me, let me really try to make it applicable. The past year and a half with the pandemic has been really tough on all of us. 
in every aspect of our lives, right, we're still trying to figure out what is normal and how do we get back. Right? At church, we're trying to get back to normal. We have this idea of what it once was and what it should be, and we're all still trying to get back. And we see the empty pews, and we see the empty sign-up sheets, and we see the, the, the missed meetings of our fellow brothers and sisters, and we, and when we look, we look and, and, and we see the, the missed calls and the, and, and the non-return texts, and we get, we get discouraged. And in that discouragement, as we're trying to get back to normal, as we're trying to pull our church back on the course of what we should be or what we think we were once, that, that discouragement so often, too often, leads to a judgment, doesn't it? And let me be the first to confess. It leads to a judgment. I'm tempted to think, you know what, I'm here. Where is everybody else? I'm here serving. Where is everybody else? I'm here doing this. Where, where is the so-called Christians of this church? And I've got to confess to you, if my job didn't require my attendance, I, I can probably <laughs> tell you that my attendance wouldn't be too great. <laughs> Because I'm struggling too. We're so tempted to think with this ideal of what we think church and Christianity should be. So tempted to think that those who aren't here, those who aren't serving, those who aren't active, those who are still far off and lost, that it's on them. That they just have to prioritize church. That they just have to have a desire and a will. But the reality is, as Jesus reminds us today, no one can come back to him. No one can find themselves unless Jesus finds them. No one can come back unless he carries them back. So friends, we you know, let me go back. You know, I'm, I, I've been so tempted. And maybe, maybe this is, I, maybe I gotta, you know, sometimes I'm on social media and I see all the stuff that the other churches are doing. Trunk or treat, fall fast. They got all this stuff happening. And, I, and, and, I, and I'm tempted to think, you know what? Maybe we need more events. Maybe we need to raffle off a Tesla or something. People, all those who, who start coming. Wow, that's the most reaction I've gotten in years. You, you guys need to repent. Okay. Huh. That's what this church is about. I've been here a long time. I did not know. Okay. Teslas. Raffles. You guys you know what? Never mind. No, we won't. But right, we, 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 think, we think honestly that if we just did X, Y, and Z, people would come back, that our church would be on course, that we would be faithful. But the truth is we need to realize that Jesus is the only one that can bring people back. Jesus is the only one that can put the church on course. And that's why we have to not just pray to him, but then be the hands and feet of Jesus and go with this message. I was at church yesterday with my kids, and as I was pulling out of the parking lot, my oldest asked me, why is the church parking lot so big? And I said, because well, a lot of people like to come to church. And he says, can anyone come to church? Yes, anyone can come to church. And how do you know where this is going? This, this, this guy... You know, if you have a six-year-old in the car, you know. They know that's the time they can just ask you a question. Can anyone come to church? Yes, anyone can come to church. Even kids? I said, yes, especially kids. Ooh, that was a proud moment as a pastor dad. 
Jesus says, let the little ones come, especially kids. And then he pauses and he asks a funny question. He says, so anyone except robbers? And who can understand the mind of a six-year-old, right? But he's trying, to, he's trying to push the matter. He's trying to understand, okay, can really anybody come to church? Even kids? Yes. Hmm. So anyone except robbers? And I paused. I said, no, son. Even robbers can come to church if they want to worship Jesus. And then my son stopped. And I can tell he was just thinking. And I was so, I'm getting emotional, I was so happy at that point because I finally got him to stop talking. (laughs) I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God. I finally stumped him. Even robbers can come to church. But in all seriousness, it it was one of those moments where just the Lord gave me an opportunity as a father to share the gospel with my son to a degree, right? And hopefully that, that, that continues to register with him where he says, huh, even robbers, even, even bank robbers, even bad people can come to worship Jesus. And, and hopefully the Lord will use him to invite a robber <laughs> to come to church. We're good. We're good at uh, judging ourselves in our church. Why don't we do prison ministry better? Why don't we reach out to the homeless people better? Why don't we, why don't we reach out to these people who are unwanted? And I've shared this to you before. If those people literally came into this room and sat here, I can guarantee some of us will be grumbling. And then Jesus would tell this parable, wouldn't he? That the kingdom of God is a place where sinners are welcome, where the lost are found. And it's not for the righteous who think they need no repentance, but it's for those who are seeking out Christ. You know, what would it look like for our household of faith here at Eternal Life Mission Church if we set out on a house-to-house mission or a household-to-household mission to save the lost? What pictures would we see if we actually went in the love of Jesus to those who are far off? What would our homes and communities in the world think about our Jesus that we worship if we lived in such a way? You know, that picture we showed earlier of the two men carrying their brother, that's, that's, not, that's not supposed to represent me and Pastor Stephen, all right? <laughs> It's not supposed to represent the deacons or the elders. It represents fellow brothers and sisters who are willing to go house to house to share the good news of Jesus and be the hands of Jesus as they carry them back. Friends, all those who are lost are found in Jesus And all we have to do, even for those who are sitting in this room, for you and I, we recognize that without him we are lost. All we have to do is repent and simply say, Jesus, find me and carry me home again. Remind me of the joy of heaven as sinners repent. Lead me to repentance. So can we conclude and pray like that? Join with me.
I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy and life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Jesus, our good shepherd, we confess that we are lost and we need you to come find us. Even though we may be well-dressed with good attendance, we confess that we are lost, that we are broken, that we are in darkness, and we need you to come and carry us back. We also confess, Lord, that in these difficult times, it's so easy for us to judge others who are also far and away. And we ask that you would give us the compassion and the love that you have, that you would remind us that it is only you who can bring the lost back, and that you would send us with that heart and that passion to share that very good news to those who are lost so that they may indeed repent and be carried back by you once more. Lord, we pray that you would set our church on course, that you would set our lives on course, not according to our own plans or desires or what once was, but you would set us a course once more on your mission to make disciples, to see your kingdom come and your will be done in our homes, in our communities, in the world. Give us ears to hear Give us eyes to continually see and give us hearts that are soft, made of flesh, that can grasp the things that you have set aside for your holy people. Lead us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.